this episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Drexler's Funeral Home on Ocean Parkway. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the place to be for Seinfeld fans. In this episode, we talked to Sam Fargoso and Harrison Cameron. Sam is a uh, host of a very popular podcast called Talk Easy with Sam Fergoso. Um, he's a filmmaker and writer. He's written for uh, The Atlantic, NPR, Vice, and Vanity Fair. And uh, he wrote a 2015 article for Vanity Fair with help from his friend Harrison Cameron, a comedy writer based out of LA. And in this uh, article, they ranked every single Seinfeld episode. So we go through that article with him and, uh, you know, talk about the show. It's a fun one. Thanks for listening. Enjoy, pass it on, follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty YouTube. Thanks for listening. This podcast is making me thirsty. All right, welcome to This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty, the place to be for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 39. In this episode, we welcome two guests today, actually. We have uh, Harrison Cameron, a comedy writer based out of L.A., and uh, Sam Fragoso. Uh, Sam's the host of a very popular podcast, Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. Um, past guests he's had on his podcast include uh, Fran Leibowitz, Matthew McConaughey, Noam Chomsky, McConaughey, Noam Chomsky. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, and Philip Baker Paul. Um, Sam's a filmmaker and writer who's written for Vanity Fair, The Atlantic, NPR, and Vice. And among his work with Vanity Fair, him, with the help of Harrison, uh, wrote a 2015 article uh, ranking every Seinfeld episode. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. So welcome. Um, welcome, Harrison and Sam. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, guys. That was great. If I could just have you walking around with me in my life, just sort of introducing like that. Good stuff. Did, wow. I say your, did I say your last name right, by the way? I just wasn't yeah, it's close enough. I mean, you know, it's Mexican. You can do what you can. Um, <laughs> it's Fergoso. Fergoso, um, cool. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, Sam Harrison, welcome to this podcast. Is making me thirsty. So first, let's just say what you did was an impossible task, right? We've all tried to do it. Like the greatest comedy show of all time to rank it really hard. So take our hats off but so let's just let's let's take a step back like how did the whole article come about right you worked for van did you kind of raise your hand to the like editor-in-chief did they know you're a big seinfeld fan i think it was the anniversary right that's why the whole thing came about can you shed a little light on that i i can i can try to remember this i it um i one thank you for for applauding me and harrison for the really important work that we were doing um here on vanity fair um this is okay here i'm gonna give basic context i think at this point the show hadn't been put on any streaming platform and i think it was finally going to be on hulu or something like that so i made a pitch to do it i was not working for them i was just like a lowly freelancer i was 19 years old like begging for work very Um, we should say what do you say? We can't stress enough how lowly you were. At that as point. low as you can go. <laughs> as so low as you low. can go. Yeah. Um, and I made the pitch and they said yes, I think within like four days of when it was due. And wow. I thought, okay, that's, I've seen every episode many times at that point, multiple times. But, but I was, even then I was like, boy, 
that's a lot to do. Obviously you just say yes and do it. Um, being like 19 years old and like probably super high smoking weed. Um, <laughs> I procrastinate this at least a day and a half to where I only actually have two days and Harrison is with me in this. So I'm looking over these rankings and obviously we can start litigating them. Um, but I remember, do I have these distinct memories basically of two straight days writing um, like little snippets for every episode. And eventually what happens is uh, you just get, you don't, you don't, there's no other ways to describe the show. Like they're funny. It's uproarious. It's ruckus. It's, it's, it's outlandish. It's like, you can't, and I'm reading the writing and I'm, profoundly embarrassed by how bad the writing is um but i your, I, your writing you're talking about like your oh yeah yeah, yeah. no no blur, just uh, each yeah blur. my writing for sure and 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 i have to say i never thought in the intervening six years that one day two men would email me <laughs> asking to dissect something that i thought was long behind me right uh, right but it, but it lives on, and that is the internet. And um, well, you're talking to two crazy people yourself, so I mean, we, yes, we, no, we, that we, I understand. Yeah, well, I mean, we we rewatched every single episode for this podcast and did the same thing you did. In fact, years before, and I brought this up many times in our podcast, I I was getting my master's degree in library science. Don't even ask me why or what that was all about, but I did it, and uh, we had our final project of season, you know, uh, semester long, almost like a thesis. And I did mine on Seinfeld. And, and similar to you, I was like, I'm going to you know, prepare for this and I'm going to rewatch every episode and do all this stuff. And I ended up just using memory and the book that came with the box set because it, it has like a little breakdown of everyone. I just went through that. I ended up like referencing nearly every episode. Oh, 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 I have that exact thing. Yeah, too. Yeah, I, you need that, that right? That I, was use, I was using that the whole time. I was, and Harrison is sitting next to me while we're watching. We're sort of rewatching some of them. And so Harrison has the book open and I'm like, all right, whatever. Season six, just what, what, what do they say? Give me like nine words from there. Cause I, at a certain point you're like, I, there's, I wrote like 10,000 words. Right. I mean, it was so, it was insane. I actually think it was like 7,000. Did um, you have a top 10 going into it that you were just like, let me stick with this. Or you literally were just like, let's see what happens and go with it as you went. I think since you can see that, uh, uh, Let's see. Um, the subway is number eight. I think the answer is no, because if, if I had a list going into it, the subway would probably not make it onto the top 10. I realize now I made some I made some mistakes here. Um, well, that that's, should we that's, dive a, great, that's a great point. You, no, it's a great point you make about making mistakes like uh, our top 10, top 50. Like you asked, like we we sent you our list, but like. You, t you ask us in a month that could change. I think that's right. kind of, that's kind of the beauty of the show. So how did you, so Harrison, let me just ask you, you guys grew up together. When did you first kind of get introduced to Seinfeld? Right. And like, when did you guys start kind of talking about it? And obviously it's probably like a lifelong obsession. You guys probably share lines all the time, but when did, when did it start? Cause you, you said you're 19 in 2015. So you were born. I'm trying to do the math here. 2004. 94. Okay. 94. 2004. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you were born in You weren't watching it live. You guys weren't really watching it live. No. No, no. no. It was 94. Okay. Harrison, I think, is 95. 
I, yeah, and I, I will say I didn't start watching Seinfeld until around the time that I met Sam, maybe when I was 14. Um, and because at that time I was, uh, I was just would torrent full TV shows and I would just watch them because I couldn't sleep ever because, you know, I was, I was, you know. And, uh, and yeah, and then I got really into Seinfeld and then, you know, I think that maybe helped our friendship. I mean, I'm sort of the George Costanza. He's more of the Jerry. It's sort of how we look at a, our, our friendship. All right. I, I was going to say you got a little Kramer in you there, Harrison. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you got to see me enter a room because people, <laughs> it gets out of control. Oh, however's our Larry David. So that's why I, I that's why we got him on this. He's my co-host. He's our Larry David. I, I like how he said it helped our friendship. Like, it was like a struggling friendship until Seinfeld came about, and then we became close friends. So, where did you guys grow up? Because that's kind of a New York centric show. We always like to ask where you got, where where these get, where you're from, to kind of get an idea of that. I grew up in the New York of California, which is uh, it's called Fresno. It's right in the middle, <laughs> and it's famously the butt of jokes, um, the armpit. In fact, the armpit, I would say, and um, not a shaved armpit either. This this sucker needs some some manscaping certainly. I grew up in Chicago, and um, when I was fifteen or sixteen, I moved to Fresno for reasons that this podcast no need to dive into. Um, um, obviously, divorce, and uh, then I met Harris. I, of course, I mean I'm not like moving myself to Fresno. If you're gonna choose somewhere to go, you don't. A kid doesn't choose Fresno. Um, but I met Harrison. My sophomore year, he was a freshman, and I—I I guess I thought you had already been watching Seinfeld, but I—I I, I don't know now. Now, I—I I probably told you that I did. <laughs> that's cool. what, that was my mo back then. Yeah, that, and that's, and that's, that's, that's up later. And that's the sign of a cool <laughs> high schooler. It's like, oh yeah, I watched Seinfeld. Yeah, Show from the nineties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we, Show from we, the nineties. So. Let's get to the ranking. How did you? So the way we broke it down is we kind of went season by season, ranked seasons first, right, and then put it all together and kind of picked mm-hmm. away from there, like bottom half and the top half. Did you have a similar kind of structure? Like how did you build out the list? I I, I really got to say I think what you two have done is is infinitely more intricate than whatever I was doing. Um, I, I I think I think there was there was at least three or four. I'm re-looking at this now again for the first time, and there and was a few of them that I thought, okay, that's definitely going to be in there. Um, you know, like the Merv Griffin show, I, I knew that was going to be in there. The Marine Biologist, that would be in there. The Boyfriend Part One and Two would be in there, and then everything else was was kind of like asking Harrison, what did he like? We we flipped through that that booklet that you have behind. Yeah, yeah. I love hearing this, by the way, because whenever these like lists come out, especially in a publication like Vanity Fair, you know, you're, you're getting some eyes on it, right? And in this day and age, it's always like he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And you're just like, hey, man, I just put this thing together in a couple of days with my buddy. Like, I didn't. And people like are going nuts about it. And like, he doesn't know what he's talking. You know, it's not like you're like, you know, this isn't something that you like took months to figure out. It's just like, hey, this is what I did. I put it together. And like, well, it took. Yeah, it took. So I mean, awful. I had been watching Seinfeld, so di- I guess I had watched contrast to Harrison. Um. I had been watching Seinfeld with my father since I was like seven. Mm. He had the, the the VHS 
tapings initially. That's what we have. Um, Both have and then wow. and then he had all the DVDs that were not in that kind of fancy box set that came right, out. Where they, they did it separately. Yeah, yeah. They came out sequentially, which which we also had. So, it yeah, I wrote it in two days, but I had been watching for twelve years. Sure. So it, I think it takes, and even still after twelve years, you can see the the sort of lapses in judgment. Uh, on did you uh, did you call your father about? Did you ask him about this? I think I consulted. I think I consulted him. Yeah. Yeah, because there's certainly an influence there, and when we look at your list, it it seems weighted towards certain seasons. Same with ours, right? Like we are huge season three and season five guys. Um, I mean, you like, guys don't have a single episode outside of season five in the top forty. <laughs> no, right, exactly. We don't have anything from season nine until like nine. <laughs> yeah, and that's because of O'Hara. It would have been even lower. I snuck a couple of nines in there just to get a couple in the top one hundred. But yeah, we're very, very, very partial to three to three and five, two even. I mean, and and, and why is that? Because it's, it's the crust of the show. So the show, the show is two guys talking about their daily life, just two buddies, two friends in a coffee shop talking about their life, talking about girls. You know, the full message I posted on Twitter today that scene when George walks in. And talks about getting the girl, you know, getting the date, and uh, if I chew in an apple, I feel bad. that that minutia of that conversation is the show, and that's what we that's what we fell in love with when we were watching it uh, live, and it became a different show. It became no, everyone's different taste. It became a different show. It became a little bit more outlandish, a little more cartoonish, a little bit more absurd, and that's not our brand of comedy. I mean, it wasn't what George was all about. George. George was about, you know, the neur- neurosis and, uh, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it just kind of blew up to, uh-huh, uh-huh. you can sum up Jordan season eight with, uh-huh. I mean, that's what it became. But what's, what's funny is you, you guys have a good blend of kind of what he touched on, like some of the core stuff, like the boyfriend, like, I'm so glad you have the marine biologist, yep. the contest, like those top three, I can't argue with. Right. But then, you know, seeing the uh the sponge in there um even merv griffin i know a lot of people like that but the show it just yeah to tony's part it got a lot it got very cartoonish and we noticed when again we got we get the minutiae like when when tom sharonis the the original director left the show something something just fell apart a little bit in our eyes yeah, he left after five and then larry left after seven and then it kind of really started uh this 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 podcast is really just in support of Tom Sharon, which I a think lot of it is. Yes, now you're getting. understand <laughs> that where he, we're coming from. He's he's always wanted that. Um, he seems like a nice guy. I I I hear you. I think Harrison and I have talked about this a lot, and and I I don't even want to mention him because it's you know in fear of some cancellation. But the first few seasons, George is really playing Woody Allen. I mean, he's oh, actually one and two. Yeah. Yes. I mean, especially the first two, because he, yeah. he is basically positioning himself as a neurotic, eligible yeah. bachelor, bachelor whose neurosis is getting in the way of him falling in love. Right. It, it then sort of, yeah, graduates into um, a much worse person than, than the characters that Woody Allen plays. Um, well, he becomes, I mean, he even says it that he realizes, oh, this is Larry David. And after working with Larry David, he realized, oh. When he went to Larry Davis and said, who would do this? Larry Davis was like, I did this. 
So he's like, okay, I'm playing Larry David now. And Larry David is really just a Woody Allen if you want to go that train, you know. So he was doing Woody Allen first and second season. And then third, fourth, fifth, he's doing Larry David. And he's doing what Jason Alexander brings to Larry David. And yeah. then by six into seven, eight, nine, he's doing Jason Alexander now, the character that he created. And that's when the ho-ho and all that kind of stuff comes and in. You, and you think that happens because Larry David leaves in season seven? Partly, but I also think it's because Jason Alexander, as an actor and as a, as a, as a comedic actor, probably was like, I am taking control of this character now. I'm seeing the laughs coming with this, this angle, the yelling. And now just naturally, that's... That's who he became. I think that's what happened. And, and of course, no more Larry David there to control it. No more Tom Sharon's to control it. And ratings are through the fucking roof. So there you go. Yeah. I, I that's I, that's interesting. I, and also, I, I think we have to put in the the he was probably bored. I mean, Fair. he did it for so long, so many times. And he, of all uh, of each of the four actors. Michael Richards ruined his career for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> Seinfeld didn't really want to act again and is doing exactly what he wants to do. Right. Um, Dreyfus has reinvented herself in a way that almost no sitcom person since has. Agreed. Maybe you put Ted Danson in that, but I think she's even done more different like variety of things. Jason Alexander is kind of the odd man out, I think. Like He did Shallow Hal, mm. and then it just kind of... I think he thinks of himself as like an actor with a capital A and the the character of George seemed, I feel like he begrudgingly accepts his fate as George. And, but I don't, I think if he had to do it over again, except for the money part, I don't know if he would do it. Every time I hear him talk fair about point. it, I, I don't yeah. think he likes this. I don't, I don't think he likes to be thought fair. of as George. And it's funny. We, we kind of, we took a little jab at late George, but overall, we think of George as the best character on the show. I mean, when we go through lines, episodes, like he is the star, like hands down. Um, but I'm curious, so you, again, we went through our list and for the most part, we agreed, but we never actually matched an actual episode. Oh, we matched a couple think. times. Maybe we matched like a couple times. times. So do you like, like Harrison, did you like, was there any contention on, on any list? Like, whoa, no way that's top five. Or, like, how did you guys, like, meet in the middle on that? Or did Sam have the final say because he had the, the Vanity Fair contract? I mean, Sam <laughs> definitely had final say. I mean, I think, as Sam has said, I think he made some big mistakes. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and don't we all, you know, on a day-to-day basis, certainly. I, I, at the time, definitely deferred yeah. to Sam. I think I didn't have the courage to speak out at that point in my life. Uh, but now I do, I have the strength and I, I want to say, <laughs> Sam, I'm, I, you know, I'm siding with them. I think you really fucked up a little bit on some of these. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really bummed. I'm really disappointed. I'm really bummed. Uh, but I did fight. I fought some of these. I know uh, marine biologists. I wanted to be maybe number one. I love marine biologists, but. It's funny you said that. When we ranked these, O'Hara said that he thinks if America was pulled, marine biologists would be number one. I disagreed with him. I thought it'd be like a yada, yada, yada or something like that, more of a – but he steadfast on marine biologists would be number one. And uh, we had it in our top. Would we have it uh, would we have it six, five? So let's let's take a look at our – our 
we had six. Let's let's take a look at our top ten, right? You want so, me to share my screen or no? I have it. I have it here. Oh, you got it there. Okay. All right. So our number ten was the jacket from season two. Yep. And you had one hundred six. You guys had that ranked one hundred and fifty six. Uh, yeah. Your, your yeah. thoughts, your thoughts there. Big and, discrepancy. And it, it's, it's a huge discrepancy. And in fact, I rewatched it last week, not even knowing that this was on your, your list. <laughs> yeah. and, um, I, look, it's a totally pleasant episode. Um, it has basically no Kramer. Yeah, no um, Kramer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and barely mm-hmm. Elaine. It has barely any Elaine, but now knowing what you two want, which is, I guess is basically yourselves in the show, you two buddies, <laughs> um, this makes a whole lot of sense that this is this is you two with the jacket. Um, uh, and and I, it is talking funny. Talking to Cheerney, talking to uh, Reservoir Dogs. Who's boss. great. Yeah, it's amazing. Who's so, just so fantastic. Um, it is basically one joke. I mean, it's one joke. It's like he's an alcoholic and 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 scary and uh elaine abandons them and the jacket like has some pink um, um stuff on the inside i forgot what what, what it's and way jacket, yeah. jacket. Yeah. master um, of the house sam come on that's good that is good yeah you um, keep adding good just georgia i'm walking out of here if, if you don't say anything i'm gonna think you paid a thousand dollars for this jacket like that whole scene but come on this is also early enough Again, uh, not that he ever became a good actor, but Seinfeld is like actually actively bad in these first few seasons. Like he, he is so Fair. bad at acting in this episode. I just watched it because I was like, he just he can't keep it in. He's like Jimmy Fallon on SNL. Like he just cannot keep it in, and he always busts out. And I, I found him. Anyway, this is a totally pleasant episode. The thing is, everything that you put here, I like. I don't dislike any episode except for maybe well, one or two. Here's here's what I will say though. This is season two. I think there's a reason we never see Elaine's dad again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think you know. I wanted more of him. No need to go back to that well. You know. Well, well listen that that's a good point, and but that's something that they didn't really bring back. Um, they didn't really bring back people until that, like season four, season five, like Costanza's the parents. Yeah, that just brought back. And again, season two, thinking about it, like they thought they were done, right? This was like a different era. Like they were, and suppose there's a story. Elaine's dad like got in a fight on set. It had nothing. Yeah, to they do didn't really like. I guess it was yeah. a pleasant uh, experience for them with him there. For the what we heard. But um, to, your, to, to, to defend ourselves a little bit on the season two stuff is, again, we were watching this live. So that's awesome. We're watching. So we're watching it as it's happening. And when a show, when an episode like that comes on the screen, especially our number one, the phone message, when that comes on the screen, when you're used to watching like family ties and fucking all this shit that have been on every day, you're like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on? These guys are talking about this. We're like 12 years old. It's blowing our fucking minds. That sticks with you. When you're going to do this ranking, you know, we never we never could get out of that that frame of mind of like. So what I would say. So a good example, I think it's been around for a very long time. Like Let's say someone says I'm a Bob Dylan fan. Right. Or I'm a you know, OK, what Bob Dylan do you like? Do you like the free will in Bob Dylan or do you like fucking Planet Waves Bob Dylan? Right. So it's completely different Bob Dylan's. But if you listen to it. If you start at his first album, you've never about them before, and you listen to it all the way through the way it happened in real time, you're going to have a much better appreciation, I think, of 
the like the progression and the changes and all these different things when you're when you just put on a season two and you just watch season eight you're all like what the hell it's a completely different show they're just sitting here mm-hmm. it's two of them mm-hmm. it's an odd thing that I, I don't think it's enough talked about enough as far as like and that's why you hear a lot of old timers be like well Seinfeld sucks anyway all the family is better than everything it's like well you know you can keep going back with that uh, that's a yeah, yeah all right dynamic. well I got off there a little bit guys so no, back, no, back. No. Back to the list. Our number 10, we just talked about. Your number 10 was the Andrea Doria. We rank that, just like the last one, complete opposite. We rank that 142. I like the Andrea Doria. I liked it, uh, but yeah. Why did, you guys rank, why did you guys rank that 10th? I, I think that's just a great – I mean, yeah. George. Yeah, and I would say if, if, if you don't like – uh, George at that state of mind and at that register, like th- this, this episode is definitely not going to work. Um, which I now know you both don't, but I, I, <laughs> well, I, I actually I, like that George. I mean, one of the best lines ever in the Andrew door, he says, if you take everything I've accomplished my whole life, get that to one day, it looks decent. I believe that's that episode. Yeah. I think is, that's that, that episode, which is a great so line. I mean, that's like a stanza line. I, I can, I can hang my hat on. I mean, it, the, to me, it is, uh, the reason I put it in there, and it actually, again, maybe watched this a couple months ago, and it and it totally holds up. If we're to think about the show, obviously it doesn't have like a continuous storyline, but like George is building towards something, and some would say it's like an evolution of a person. You could call it like a de-evolution of a person because he just gets worse and worse. This is pretty much rock bottom. And the fact that he gets to, um, in trying to get the apartment from an Andrea Doria survivor, relive his past traumas, and I'm putting those in quotes, um, it's just, that's incredible. In closing, I have these, this quote right here. In closing, these stories have not been embellished because they need no embellishment. They are simply, horrifyingly, the stories of my life as a short, stocky, slow-witted, bald man. And... That episode is is I don't know it kind of is representative of of what George amounted to after eight or nine years and it's like really deeply depressing in some ways and very funny in another. Well put, well put. And no, that's that's well put. I can't argue that. I can't argue that. Oh, our problem yes. good, but I, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little more stubborn. But Sam, you, you changed me a little bit there. Well, yeah, I that was well put, was, well put. I, you know, I might move it to 120. So. <laughs> we had uh, just a quick one on that. One of our guests, uh, Andy Fiorio, stand-up comic. He loves the uh, ahoy line when 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 George first sees the guy who was in the the freezer's <laughs> ahoy to him. That was one of his favorite lines when we asked him. So that hey, doesn't doesn't he say like? Um. Oh, it was a terrible car crash, and they're like shipwreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just so. There's so many good moments in this. I, I, and also the the, the image of the old man who's the Andrea Doria survivor. Just his face after he hears George's stories, and he just does this in the in the corner. <laughs> like he knows he, just, he can't compete. He knows he can't hang with them. Yeah. He can't hang with Costanza. I just love that. It's. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Andrew Doria, but it, so you love George throughout because obviously there's the uh, the boyfriend, the Vandal Industries. Obviously, you love that. Um, the marine biologist you have up there, and then also the Andrew Doria. So you were you loved him consistently throughout. It sounds like. I I, I think it's hard pressed to say that there's a character more important to the show 
Yeah. I mean, in, in so much as like, if we think of Seinfeld as the Beatles and all four pieces need to like exist for them to coexist as a great unit, I would say he's either McCartney or Lennon in terms of importance. Like, I don't know. I would put just because he, he, he is him and Jerry are the most, but then actually I think of a Kramer in this bad analogy. Well, it's, it's funny. You mentioned all those and like, what we're seeing, not that Twitter's a, a barometer or anything, but like we're seeing a lot of like people rewatching and appreciating Lane a lot more, which is interesting. So that well, that makes sense. But yeah. I mean, I think watching it in retrospect, you're like, oh wow, they weren't completely misogynistic. They had some inkling towards a, a sort of feminist lens, which at the at the time was really progressive. Correct. Um, so I that, I'm imagining that's why people like her now. I, th- I think you're right. So we're just, let, we'll just go through the top 10 here. Sounds good. Um, so number nine for us was the opposite. You guys ranked that 14. So I think that we're pretty, yeah, we're pretty that's, that's there. That I'm going either of those. That's an ultimate episode, right? That's the opposite? Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's, and also, who hasn't, who hasn't imagined that happening? Yeah. I love, and I know how much to go down the list, but I just like to enter. I mean, one of the things about the opposite is one of the things I love about the show, especially the early seasons. And I talked about this before, but uh, no, it's just the existentialism in Seinfeld. There's so many of these like one liners sometimes where, where Kramer's like, listen to your little man. And George's like, my little man's an idiot. Just there's always things about even the pony remark when they're like, what happens when there's a lot of these things and opposites. One of those, I feel like, you know, George, like my whole philosophy in life, I'm going to change it all, man. I'm just due to the opposite. And it, you know, happens up working for him. I just love when they, they can slide that in so seamlessly into a storyline or even just a line. It's really did, good. did you two ever try to do the opposite of what you normally do? Yeah, for sure. Every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so you you so so you wake up and you think my instincts are shit. I got to go the other way. Yes, quite hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> Sam, just wait, man. Wait till you hit forty. You're gonna be like, right, so, like, what can I do? It's gonna start change. Start rethinking some things. You start you start a podcast on Seinfeld when uh, you're going through your midlife crisis. It's uh... <laughs> Look, if, if Harrison and I can help guide you both through a midlife crisis, we're happy to do it. We're happy to do that's it. That's why we're here. That's what that's what we're, <laughs> we can build this whole thing to me. This actually was Harrison called me. He's like, we have to do this. They need help. They need help. We, we got to do it. All right. So number nine for you guys was the sponge. We, and that was written by our friend, uh, Peter Melman. We had that ranked 150. Kind of a necklace, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, also wrote a whole bunch of great episodes. We, we, that's the thing. We wanted to be fair, so that's the thing. I don't think. I don't know if you were, if you had the. I don't want to say authority, but was it in your mind at all when you wrote the the Vanity Fair piece to be critical or negative at all? Because it seemed like, in, even the ones you ranked low, you were finding the the one highlight or being positive in every one of them. It was just like, let's just you know. Say they're all. Say they're all what they are. I, I mean, I feel like I barely have the authority to choose what I wear in the morning. So no, I don't. <laughs> I definitely don't think I had the authority. Um, I now now was I not critical of any of them? There's only no, like, you were nice. No, you were nice pretty much in all of them. Even the ones that like, you didn't really like, you were still yeah yeah. Nice I, well, you know, this this is a testament. Um, that was shoot six years ago. I was much nicer then. I'm less nice now. Um, but, but no, but the, Sam, that's how he kicked it off. Like, it's an impossible task yeah, to rank 
of course. The greatest comedy ever. Like even the even the dogs, like we consider dogs, are still great episodes. You know what I mean? So I get it. I'm wondering where you guys have that one with Stephen Tobolowsky. Because I think that's actually the worst episode of the show. I think it's the heart attack. Heart attack? The heart attack? Yeah. I think that's the worst episode of the show. And well, you had, I, the, you had the dog as your worst. I didn't the like dog? the dog at all. I'm, I'm with you on that. That was my least favorite of the season, I believe. You, you, you had the you, heart attack in 95, I think. 95 oh, the dog with the rich guy on the plane? Yes. I didn't like yeah. that episode either, man. I agree with that, you. That that's one of the only episodes where I I pass through it on like the 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 Hulu channel or you know the the season three I think it's a season three, and I'm like, what is that? So uh, I'm like, right above the Andrew Doria, by the way. What is that? Is it really? Yeah, but I didn't like the dog either. Um, well, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Like that's an episode you will skip, right? So for us, it's the dealership season nine. Which you rank pretty high. It's in the Everyone 50. seems to love the dealership. We were never big on the dealership. The dealership. The dealership. It was one of the first episodes I ever watched. And it was something my dad showed me and I was a kid. And I remember I just that line that the part of like getting the Twix bar, there's something about um, again, this is probably tied to the, the way that the show was sort of inextricably linked to both of your lives at the age of 12, finding yeah. it and then kind of like growing up as the show happened. Uh, the dealership has a part of the show that I think is accurate to being a kid, which is you're forced to go to places with your parents that you never want to go to. And the only refuge, the only highlight is like maybe getting a treat like a Twix in one of those vending machines while you wait for them to do something. And for some reason, this for is in my reason. head. Um, that I love this episode watching it with my father as a kid. And even now, I think it's fine. But you just, you guys just don't like old seasons. I mean, uh, season eight, season nine. <laughs> so and I, the, the debate very is, well, I, I think it was well said what you just said. Like, context of where you are in your life, watching it with your father. Like, we watched this after we watched The Glory Years. And it's just, to me, I don't know why George was there. Like, and he's just yelling and... I'm saying they're doing high fives. Like, it, I don't know. It was just. But, but hold on, yeah, though. That, that, that's, that's the whole premise of the show. Of the is show. I don't know why they're there. I, don't know why they're I mean, there. The, the amount of times where, like, Elaine, it's like a Tuesday and it's like Tuesday. noon and Elaine's at Seinfeld's apartment. And you're like, don't you have a job? Like, the whole show is like, God, they really hang out a lot. It seems yeah. odd. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it, that was early years. Like George was unemployed. Like I don't know. The, and, and Melvin says the same thing because again, he came at the beginning. He said the later years got gimmicky. They they just kind of forced things, and like it was just quick hitting. And we respect that. And but I respect your story like that. To me, now I see it in a different lens. So I I get that, and I and I I think. Harrison, I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel, but I think Harrison and I feel the same about. There's definitely some stuff in the later seasons where it's like, all right. I think, yeah. I mean, I think nine is is better than eight. I mean, I I argued nine. I argued the maid. I argued the voice. I argued the burning. Those are all solid nine episodes um, with great lines. You know, a lot of times one line sticks out to me and that usually puts me ahead. Like, you know, Kramer and the Maid, I'm at the Nexus Universe, uh, first and first, I can the same <laughs> student, second. Things like that just kind of pop up. Um, 
So I, I get it. And I think I think they really rebounded in season nine. I mean, I think season eight was 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 hard to hard to get through. And I would and I would say, like, Sam, I didn't I barely didn't change my rankings from when I saw them live. A couple episodes when I rewatched like wow. the like when the engagement happened and Susan died, watching that now rubbed me the wrong way. So I put it at the bottom. Like, but for the most part, what I remember live still resonates. And to your point, right? Like watching that with your dad, that's the same way I felt live. So that's kind of what goes into the rankings. You know what, you know what it is about the dealership? And Harrison can attest to this. <laughs> I always drive on empty. Like that's a great the, scene. To that's the a end. great scene. It, 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 that's what I argued. The only thing it's that was so about dumb. The it's so yeah. dumb that I do that, but I always think, well, Kramer made it. <laughs> but, but also, that's me and that other guy. Life. Like Sam will send me screenshots from his phone, and I get so anxious. His phone's at like one percent battery. I'm like, what? What's going on? <laughs> Jesus Christ! You live <laughs> your life on empty. That is really true. Hey, the, listen, the beauty of the show. All right, number eight, we completely disagreed on this as well. We had the Hamptons. You had this ranked 97th. To me, this is the perfect episode. What didn't you like about it? I, I was wrong. Oh, okay. All right, beautiful. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I got to say, Harrison, what do you think? I mean, I just feel like this episode is great. I put it in the oh, top 30 now. Great episode. Sam was wrong and and, you know. And that's nothing new. I think you guys will find it. <laughs> All right. So for you, number eight was the subway. Where do we have that rank? We had that rank. That can be, I mean, I could change that all the time. I think we, we had that around 60, but again, anything oh, from one, one to 60 could easily be flopped. You know? Yeah. I think that's a, that's an agreement. I, I think that's a little higher than where I put it now, but it's great, and and it's again one of the few times where they deviate from the sort of standard structure of apartment, place of work, um, you know, like the Chinese restaurant or something. I think the subway stuff is cool too. I think yeah, I think the subway's brilliant. Um, all right, number seven for us, another big disagreement, but I, I think we'll know why for you was the note, which was. When George got the massage with Raymond, um, it was pretty much George and Elaine. Actually, was that, I'm trying to think, was that Dinky Donuts with uh, Kramer? With DiMaggio? I could be butchering that one. Talking about but either the way. Note, the note is, I think it moved when he gets the... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's the, that's the massage. That's the main story, yeah. So we had that with... Uh, like I said, seventh, you had it ranked 112. Mm-hmm. That was an early season three. No, yeah, I just rewatched that one too. As you no, guys should see, I, I watched the show very often. Harrison, what do you think of that? I mean, yeah, I, the note was Dinky Donuts. Yeah, I think that's another classic example of, you know, getting it wrong. But I think the good thing about being wrong and being a, a, a failure in some ways is that you you learn as you move forward you know and i think i think sam's doing a lot of learning today and I, i'm really glad you guys could help him out with that um <laughs> sam do you feel like you you you're learning from your mistakes i'm certainly learning from you um i would say i would move this up too and 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 uh i think harrison and i especially as two teenagers um 
you know, sexually confusing time. That episode is like the amount of times I've thought about that being like, I touched someone. Did it move? Did it, does that signify something? Um, I think that's a really good episode. And the, and the DiMaggio dinky donuts, dinking his donut, DiMaggio wouldn't do that. And then Kramer kind of going, um, it's a great episode. I don't remember that being part of it, but if you say it's in there, then I'm yeah. yeah. I, just, I just double checked to make sure I'm not, you know, giving us any false. So, your number seven, which was my favorite of season six, we didn't have it ranked as high, but the race, which I think probably had one of the greatest scenes the series ever saw. When Top ten scene for sure. When George walked in uh, about the race, and he uh, saw Duncan Meyer. I mean. Maybe that's what did it for you. The race is um, definitely one of my father's favorites also. As you're saying, this is kind of a trend. And I I do, I just love the idea of I choose not to run. <laughs> I choose not to run, which which of course is like the most like blaring tacit admission that like I cannot run and I did not run and I did not win. And I just love I just love that. I also feel like Harrison and I would do that if we did like cheat our way to a victory. <laughs> I think we would both say I choose not to run. Oh yeah. And then also the thing of like, um, I think we actually have done the thing before of like pretending we haven't seen each other in a while. We were going to do it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah. To me that, that scene, I mean, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's a great show, a great episode. So number number six, uh, we're pretty aligned here. We chose the marine biologist. You guys have it at number two. Um, and then your number six is the mango, which we love. We rank that 33. So. I can see that in the top 20 for sure, the mango. I have no problem there. Love the mango. Love the mango. Joe's fruit. Yeah, the the woman had an orgasm under false pretenses. That's sexual perjury. Yeah, that episode's great. I'm I'm I did all because I faked it. Yes. Okay. Now I'm I'm reading these quotes again. Yeah, that episode's great. So yeah, we're we're pretty much aligned there. And then our number five is the contest. You guys have that number one. So no argument there. Your number five is an interesting one. It's it's one I would watch at any moment, The Switch, which we ranked, God, God, we ranked it low. I was a little down on The Switch. I think that's why. You were big on it. I didn't. I thought it was a little gimmicky with the overhead shot, and it was funny. Don't get me wrong. It was funny, but a little montage. And Oh, I love the montage. Yeah, I love montage. it. Okay, fan of the montage. I, I, <laughs> we, love, we love the montage. We love the montage. This is, this is most of Harrison and I, our, our friendship and, and, and lives together is based on that kind of nonsense montage of working <laughs> over an issue that means essentially nothing. Nothing, yeah. So you would keep the switch if you had a re-rank today in the top five? No. George but pushing a check away in the montage was great. I have to say that. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. And and that is when you meet Kramer's mother, I believe, for the first time. Correct. Um, is, in, is in that. I, I don't know if I put it in the top five. I think it would be in the top 20, though. I mean, I, do, I, I like that one a lot. And, and the, again, to speak to the, to the thing you two were, like, talking about, 
uh, if it's a show about two friends, this episode is like about two friends and agreed. You're right. Two, you're convincing two me now. Boys. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's, I mean, it's about yes. two men who are like, wouldn't it be great if you could swap out the girl that you're seeing? And then they're met with a better offer, which is, wouldn't it be great to have a threesome? Right. And for both of them to be like, that's so great. Ah, of course I won't do it. Yes. I get mad. I get mad every time I watch it. I get mad at him. When George, like, oh come on! Thank God you have, uh, you know me and have access to my uh, my dementia. (laughs) You get mad at it because are you like, oh, I would do the threesome? Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Um, (laughs) Would you really though? Would you you really do it? Just in case my wife's listening, let's move on to number five. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, no, so, no, so number four. You got to get headphones, man. You got to get the headphones. <laughs> so number, number four, this podcast is making me thirsty. It was named after this episode. The alternate side we rank at number mm-hmm. four. You rank at mm-hmm. 103. Very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And, I, and in fact, I forgot that that line was in there until Harrison told me before we taped. That's a great episode, though. No, it's a great episode. George's meltdown and stuff. Love it. Uh, yeah, I would reservation. Oh, I know. So that that's one of my favorite jokes in the history. Anyone could take the reservation. You have to hold the reservation. Not in the yeah. Case. Um, yeah, that would be in my top 50 for sure. It's a great episode. All right, good. So it looks like both of our lists are changing in real time. We are doing um, more compromising than any politician has done in the last 20 years. <laughs> this I'm is what happens. You, you sit down, you talk it through, you present your case, and uh, let's go. So you're, so you're number four, an interesting pick, the Merv Griffin show. Great. Well, did you guys basically- It's a fan vote, favorite, you, you, but it's, it is an embarrassment to the character of George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> I, I David, a squirrel- it, no, it's it's a testament to his genius and 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 brilliance. And it's tough to, again to debate you guys about seasons that I think you both slept through. While oh, we watching. were in college when that was aired, I barely okay, saw so an that, episode of season eight. I don't think a lot. Well, no. So was, then, then you guys have to rewatch these because you guys were. I mean, like, I, I have rewatched it, but you were with girls. I don't know what you're doing in college, but I, you were not watching Seinfeld. You weren't sitting with Seinfeld diligently. Seinfeld. <laughs> I think you, I think you need to re re look at these. So yeah, the beyond, Mer- so beyond Merv Griffin, seriously. I mean, come on, man. Okay, okay. Um, Saving a squirrel. Her- <laughs> <laughs> well, not, it's, it's tough. For- I like the, I like it better. To be fair, to be fair. For reference, Tony is no longer on the Zoom video call. I think because he's afraid. To <laughs> I don't know what's going. on. I hope this thing's recording. To be honest, it is. It says it is. My video, Harrison Merv Griffin show. I mean, you like this one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think something Sam said is something we should circle back on is the level of diligence you guys have when it comes to. I mean, like, you, you, I, you, you know, this is this is like a. I feel like a like you said, it's a fan favorite. This is this is an important episode, and you guys were off in college, fucking off, not. <laughs> <laughs> You guys go 
got to get on your game. I mean, this podcast is making me thirsty, man. Come on. You, you, you two should have known in college that 20 years later you're going to be doing a podcast, and I really need to sit with these episodes. You were not thinking ahead. You were thinking about – Dude, I rewatched it for this podcast, and it was even hard, more horrible the next time. <laughs> well, but, well, he he's stuck on this swirl. There's bits and pieces, but keep in mind – Kramer makes me laugh. I can't say he doesn't. Kramer does, and Newman, like, season nine, though, like, I'm like, Elaine and George is there, done for me. But, listen, I know majority of people, 35 and under, do love this show, so I respect it. So I'll make the case. I'll make a very quick case. Yeah. Um, again, I, earlier I talked about how, like, if if we're to think of the arc of George basically leading into, to like, the Andrea Doria and his insanity. The Merv Griffin one is kind of Kramer's peak, like peak insanity. He is someone who's often like, God, I'm so tired from work. And Jerry's like, what work? Like no one knows what he does for, for, for work. No one understands where he has money. And picking up the old set from the trash can of the Merv Griffin show um, and recreating it, it is to me like the height of his imagination and his delusion is creating this show. And it's, and it's really, again, like watching most of the show, it's like, uh, like Tony said, it has this kind of existential bent that is sad and almost melancholic and then also deeply, deeply funny. And I, I, I don't know. I just find the Merv Griffin episode to basically be telling Kramer like, here it is, man. Like, do the do your thing. Like, this I is think, this you're making a real good point, man. I gotta tell no, no, you, he, man. You keep bringing me back with this. Well, he's making a good, but he's highlighting Kramer only. And I think, like the, and he mentioned this in the jacket is only George and Jerry. Like, this episode is only Kramer. Like, right, but it's Kramer's. Uh, what's the word? It's probably a word. It's not coup d'état. It's probably a fancy word. It's Kramer's like um, coming out opus party. or something. It's like yeah, his it's final. His like you said, it's his final. Like it's I've his done last it, dance. Uh, yeah, I've completely lost it. I'm now doing the Burr Griffin show in my apartment. Fair, fair. It's kind of like the screen door one, which I'm trying to remember which episode that oh. was. I wish I, horrible. But to to to, to Sam's point. That's another one where he surrounding now where he pretty much was just like, I'm going to act like I live in the suburbs right now, put a screen door in my fucking. So it started getting crazier and crazier. If you want to look at it from that angle, you know, you make a valid point. Um, I, so, so I agree with the, the, the screen door one. That is a real like stretch. And it's like, they had to do so many episodes per mm-hmm. season. So, so eventually you're just going to get a few ideas and fall through the cracks and they have to make a show. This is just like an actual good idea. I mean, Newman being the co-host is great. Um, um, the bird guy with the hawk, I think, comes. Um, I enjoy that. There's there's a B plot and C plot. You're right. I'm not remembering it now. And I usually can can remember these. But this, but this for you, you do it again, this stays at number four. I think it stays in the top ten. Okay. Yeah. All right, we got we got three to go. You guys cool with that? Yeah, yeah. All right. So number three for us, another one we we kind of disagreed with here, the limo. Uh-huh. I could any other time I could rank this one. I had it in my number one. You, number get, one you guys ranked it. Ni- you guys ranked it ninety five. Yeah, I think it should be. 
it should be higher up. This is a great episode. Fantastic. I agree. It's, I, 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 put, I, I just, re- again, rewatched that earlier in the pandemic. That's, yeah, it's a top 20. Two friends, O'Brien and Murphy. And then not only that, the dynamic between Kramer and Elaine, I think, is they rarely get together. And, like, is, you know, is Jerry working for the CIA? There's just Kramer at his best, cutesy Elaine. It's it's an epic episode in, in our mind. It is. And I think the case you two are making about, like, the show really being like a product of the nineties, this episode sort of like with the air Jordan references and like <laughs> the weird communist manifesto air of like McCarthyism tying it. It's like, it, it really does feel like the nineties to me um, based on everything I've read. Again, I was like ba- barely alive. Um, <laughs> and And it just, it is so, fantastic and the and the kind of like dance they do in the car with these people who don't know what he looks like um oh, so good. it's it's a great episode it's a great episode <laughs> also also again the, i can't believe we haven't talked about this how many of the basic ideas of seinfeld have found themselves in your life like that's an idea every time i go to the airport now and i'm like fuck i don't want to I want to get an Uber. I don't want to wait for a friend to like definitely, uh, you know, show up late or not want to pick me up. Harrison often has done that. Thank you, Harrison. But how many times have you thought? Always on time. You better better watch yourself. But how many times have you done that? And you're like, God, I would love to just like hop into this limo for a name that like this guy has been standing there for 30 minutes. I, I think about that every time. Of course. Uh, And I've used the name O'Brien when someone asked me for my name. I didn't want to give it to him several times. (laughs) (laughs) So your your number three pretty much aligns. We have it in our our top 20 easy is the Keith Hernandez, the boyfriend episode. I mean, I think that episode, like, took it to another level. And, like, once that was established, it just – the show took off, in my mind. Like, that was – it had – everything right like george at his best you know uh they all were just like uh on point um and it was an hour episode which is interesting right it's parts one and two so a lot of those kind of fell off a little bit but like um the boyfriend no no complaints there genius jerry's best performance for sure i think absolutely and i yeah it is i think so and again it just when the show is about like masculinity and and the weird kind of camaraderies and friendships we form with with other like straight men assuming you are a straight man right i mean i'm not driving to the i'm not driving to the airport not there's anything wrong with that right and uh i just think that it just taps into it and keith hernandez and the the second spitter behind the bushes on the gravelly road i mean it's just it's a killer episode Love that so, so speaking of season three, we didn't, before I get to season two, you interviewed um, Philip Baker Hall, which was a awesome interview, man. Like, and I know you, you didn't touch too much on Seinfeld, but you did. I know you brought, you brought it up obviously because you're a fan, but um, get him and kind of what was that? What was that conversation like? I mean, that the library is one of my, one of our favorites. He's I don't consistently, know. Whenever we ask our guests who your favorite uh, one-off characters, he's consistently mentioned as as the guy. Philip Baker Hall. I mean, shit, man. I mean, one of the, one of the one of the best 
living actors we have. I think he's almost 90 now. Um, at the time, he was maybe 87. I asked him to come on through his through his representation. Um, the episode went well enough. The podcast went well enough that that uh, about two years later we did an event in LA at a movie theater where um, we played a film called Secret Honor, where he plays um, Nixon. It's directed by Robert Altman. And in the intro, for me to like you know kind of do this Q and A with him afterward. I say, you know, Philip Baker Hall, one of the greatest living actors we have, blah, blah, blah. I get us all these credits. And I say, and of course, this wonderful performance. And right on cue, the projectionist at this theater turns on the clip of Seinfeld. (laughs) And it just kills. It kills. And and, and he, to a good sport about it, even though like he's like a a, a well-schooled, trained, brilliant actor, loves the show and even notice he he did a a bit part in bojack horseman like really does like comedy um and he he loved his work there and he he does hear from people still who are like you're bookman and he's like yeah i guess he also was philip baker hall um but he he mentioned you but he mentioned your podcast like it was a tough audition like like hollywood a-list stars were waiting to you know, for that same role. So it was, you know, uh, he, he took it seriously and it seemed a really legit role and obviously he killed it. So that was awesome. It's incredible. All right. I digress. Let's get to our final two here. So uh, we have, and we agree on this pretty much. Our number two is the red dot. You had that at 13. Um, Incredible episode. I mean, that's uh, Jason Alexander. They interviewed him recently. His favorite line ever was from that episode. You know, obviously when um, Lippman is firing him, George says, was that wrong? So like that made us feel good that Jason Alexander, obviously, you know, big season three guy. Your number two, we agree with, can't argue the marine biologist. Incredible. Where we disagree a little bit is our final. So our number one episode of all time is the phone message. You had this ranked 109. Harrison, your thoughts? I think this does a good job of like what is, I think before and since, like kind of a trope in sitcoms, I feel like. Um, and here's the thing. Let me, let me jump in. You, you guys never grew up with answering machines. Oh, to us, I grew up with answers. You did? Oh yeah, oh yeah. End of it. Calling oh, a girl, calling a calling girl, a girl is it? that oh, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, yeah. that, that to me, rang so true. I mean, you're 12 years old watching that, and you're hearing these adults talking about like, if you're eating an apple, you sound uh, like you know, and then the whole just that whole scene on 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 how he even got the date is amazing to me. And then uh, you know, obviously the son of a bank, son of a boom, and tippy toe, tippy toe, and. Coffee's not coffee. Coffee sex. Yes, that's it's loaded. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. You, you. I don't know if you've rewatched that one lately, but one hundred nine seems really low. Um, but yeah, it's obviously our number one. So I'm obviously going to say that, but uh, I can't argue that. And then obviously your number one is the contest, which we ranked in our top five. So I think we're we're, we're pretty aligned there. And I think that's Larry David's favorite episode. I mean. That's probably the episode, right? Most people uh, kind of turn to as the best episode of all time. I would, I would do that over. I, I, I wouldn't put it there. 
I, I don't know uh, where I put it. I don't know what would be one. You know? Oh, really? You would move the contest? I think so. The thing is, what 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 happened is that late, like kind of at the at the at the final hour of of like turning this thing in, I do remember Vanity Fair being like, "We're gonna make a graphic for the top ten, as opposed to you writing something." So if you look at it, there's like a graphic of the top 10. Yeah. And I think what happened was I was like, well, it has to be a graphic. So if it's a graphic, then it needs to have like characteristics or details or bit pieces that will stand out to be part of the graphic. Like it's funny how so many of these things that we sort of think about on the internet and we think like there were so many big, like there were not a lot of big decisions. It often comes down to very stupid editorial decisions which is one of the reasons I left journalism is that it's like, it's so much about like weird SEO numbers that you're not privy to. And this weird editorial hierarchy that you're like, you're, you are given breadcrumb pieces, like to, to, to figure it out yourself. Um, this is all to say, I just want to go to your, because we can talk about the contest. But who cares? Everyone's seen the contest. It's great. The phone message is really fantastic. Um, and if the show if if the show is like best at anything, and again, you two keep talking about how you both are like guys at that age, don't you feel like the show is at its best the when it's like, hey, these are two men that are basically stunted. They are trying to get laid. They're not that good at it. Seinfeld is definitely like better at it, but it exposes like the neuroses, the stupidity the stupidity the idiocy of these two guys and the absolute like self-loathing nature of them in this episode and in, and in many of your favorites are often about like being uncomfortable around women and trying to like get them to like them. And the phone message is like the epitome of that. What's, what's funny, what's funny, Sam, is we had uh Tawny Katana on last night, check it out. And it's Jerry in real life just you touched on it like that's how how he got her to be on the show sorry how he got to ask her out in real life was to get her a spot on the show and like he was nervous about it she talked about it like she was open like that they dated etc and it's just so interesting that like his ideas came from obviously real life experiences but the phone message is just something that like uh, no matter how many times I watch it, I, I cry out loud, like George leaving that message and like wishing he could take it back. Like, I don't know. I, th- I feel like we've all been in those shoes. So that's. Oh, yeah. And, and to your point, Sam, I mean, one of the greatest lines of the whole show is when they literally have that conversation you just mentioned when they're like, we're not men. What are we doing here? What are we doing in our lives? Like, you need, you know, that whole like epiphany of of yeah this is it we've been kids this whole time we're 30 something years old and we're still kids and uh you know that's why the show i think rings true with generations of of you know it's just going to continue because that that's innate in everyone right that uncomfortability that how do you you know that how do you get them to like me? even george of the line you like them they don't like you they like you you don't like them i mean so many lines just have to do with that whole you know encompasses it all right there and that's why the beauty of it and um you know the show took off to a different a different angle later on but that's 
you know, you've convinced us that some of those episodes hold true, I think. And uh, we swayed you a little bit the other way. And uh, that's the beauty of the show and the beauty of these lists and why we talk about these things. And it's still going 30 years later, right? I think so. Um, I I think we didn't lay into Sam enough on this episode. I, I I've said it once. I'll say it again. Um, <laughs> I I I think you know he made some big mistakes. The phone message, obviously, you guys have convinced me it should have been a lot higher. Um, but you know Sam's tyranny has come to an end. I feel. Um, <laughs> so I I do really appreciate you guys finally you know bending uh bending his opinions, bending his will a little bit because he's. Let me tell you, this guy's a real piece of work, and uh, he really needed this, I think. So I, I thank you guys for that. <laughs> we really well, appreciate both of you guys coming on, man. This was awesome, guys. You guys were great, man. And, uh, yeah, Sam's list is just out there. So, like, it's the gold standard, man. We appreciate you hopping on and uh, and going through at least the top ten and, like, uh, some of your memories of the show. This was great. Thanks, guys. We really had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you, so much. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Thanks, Thanks man. Bye-bye. Bye.